Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, and also your host. If you have been listening to this podcast, you probably have noticed how there is a primary sponsor on this podcast. ShopDrop app has been sponsoring this podcast very actively, and it is no coincidence that the co-founder of the app is my sister, Esti Goldschmidt, and I'm so pleased and excited to have her on the show to talk about her experiences, and we will connect this to the arts. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Esti Goldschmidt, to the show, my older sister. She lives on the Upper East Side in New York City and runs the fashion world with her app. Hi, Francisca. It's a pleasure to be here, finally. Uh, I'm a huge supporter of the work you do, of the art you create, and of the art you help other women create. You know, in a way, I think every entrepreneur is an artist because we're creating something from nothing. So I definitely identify with your pains and wins and challenges. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot, especially coming from the co-founder of ShopDrop app and an older sister. So speaking of pains and the hardship of creating something from nothing, which as an artist, we all experience. I remember you've mentioned how other podcasts and the attention that startups get is when they become successful and known. You've mentioned how the startups that fail do not get quite as much or any attention. And you think that most people could actually benefit and learn so much from the podcasts that are not successful, that do fail. So question number one, do you consider yourself a startup that is not successful? And number two... You're asking me if I consider myself a failure. Okay. Well, if that's what you want to talk about. And number two is, what are those messages that you'd like to share with people who you think would benefit from learning what it's like to not be the one who exited for 300 million? So I'll give you the floor. The, The world gives a lot of attention to the winners. And very little attention to the losers. Why is this relevant? Because 95% of startups fail. 90% of all funded startups, that means startups that were able to raise money, usually in the millions, fail as well. Which means investors will put in millions and millions of dollars and won't see any of it in return. That being said, the startups we know about, and I'll ask you here, why don't you jump in with a few... You know, the original ones, right? Google, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, like they're all worth billions of dollars. And then the smaller ones, which are still huge, are exited for millions of dollars. And those are the ones we know about. And those are the ones we speak about. And then when we meet someone who wants to be an entrepreneur or we think we want to be an entrepreneur, the vision we have is we're going to build the next Facebook. We're going to build the next Google. But what we don't realize is that you're probably not going to build the next Google. You're not going to build the next Facebook. And my own journey through ShopDrop and through my entrepreneurship has been to realize that, you know, I'm probably not building the next Amazon. I think we've built something unique, something amazing, something that could only be used in New York City. We have over 40,000 users. We're generating revenue. That being said, we're not a multi-billion dollar company. And no one's talking about the challenges that a mid-sized company, that a startup, or, you know, if we were 60 years ago or 50 years ago, this would just be a business, right? Like someone came from Russia, started selling 
schmatas from their lorry on the Lower East Side. And, and that's how they support a family. Like, ultimately, that might be a, a much more viable business model for many entrepreneurs out there. Like, we might have to get out of our heads that we have to build the next multi-billion dollar company and, and set more realistic goals. Like, my goal is to support my family, or my goal is to create a change within this and this market and to sell for this and this amount. So, so I actually, I spoke with a friend about this who, who does podcasts, and I, I said we should start a podcast, like the, a famous podcast of how I built this. And they speak with Whole Foods after they sold to Amazon for how much? An enormous number, right? They speak to Rent the Runway when their annual revenue is $200 million a year. These are great, but what about the hundreds and thousands and thousands of startups that are killing themselves day in and day out, trying to raise money, not able to do so, failing miserably, not having anyone to rely on, barking up the wrong tree, paying consultants who are useless? What about all of these startups? What about providing that kind of support for small business owners? So you're saying, you know, let's stop bringing that expectation of the billion-dollar company and just lower down to our good old-fashioned businesses that if you were successful and you supported your family, that's a success of it in itself. That's so, definitely a certain type of success. If you feel like you have to build the next Amazon, so then and, and, good luck. And, <laughs> There are, there isn't room in the in the. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, good luck. So, question: Do you consider yourself someone who, with your startup, will you be able to support your family? What would you say your challenges are in terms of monetizing your startup? That just to put it out there, subscribers are not charged to use the service that they're provided with. So, what are your income and monetary sources? Right. So, our app is a sample sale app. Right. So, it, you download it. You could go to the website on your iPhone, on your Android, and you, you let's say you're in New York and you want to shop. So you look and it tells you where every sample sale is, and then you're able to go and buy, you know, the Reese or Oscar de Laurenta dress instead of paying $5,000, you could buy it for $500. Or for Reed sample sale, instead of paying $500, you could pay $80 for the same item. And essentially, you could wear, you could have a designer wardrobe for a normal budget. What's the issue? The issue is that we have a lot of people who are interested in using our app and use it on a day-to-day basis, but once we started testing with paying for the app, with charging for the app, that's where we bumped into problems. And it took about half a year to start thinking more creatively, how can we generate revenue without charging the core user? And we identified a few different channels, the largest one of which is running the sales. So what it means is we run a sale for a brand, we help them find the space, we hire the staff, we have the point of sale system, and at the end of the sale, whatever money was brought in, we take in a percentage. So, so that that is brought in the biggest chunks. The issue is that there are already 10 different businesses in New York that have been doing that for 30 plus years. So breaking into that market is very difficult. Yes, we're the only ones with a tech platform. The second piece was figuring out, okay, people won't pay for the general app, but maybe they'll pay for something special. So if we get early access to the sales, or if we get you an additional discount, are you willing to pay a monthly fee or an early access fee to go in early? And that one worked as well. And then the third part is brands not hiring us to run the sales, but hiring us to do extra coverage of the sales. So to cover it on all of our social platforms, to go through the items, to really give a taste to people through Instagram, through our app, through our blog of what they'll be able to find and thereby maximize the reach. Okay, so you've definitely found a way to monetize in three different ways. 
and it is what has been carrying you through all these years. All these years. Okay, just to put this into perspective, I'm not 75. Um, I started working on this in 2017, the end of 2016. I took this over from another founder who had a bit of a different version. So it's been a journey. I spent a year working on it full time. I couldn't support our team entirely from the shop drop revenue, so I had a so I took another position. I had to step down as CEO. It was a very difficult decision to make, a very difficult few months. But thank God, you know, since I took my job, we brought on a lot of amazing staff onto Shop Drop, and both Shop Drop is flourishing, and I'm flourishing. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. I feel like I have to get you onto a podcast to get the real information. Uh, I'd like to move to a more touchy subject, perhaps. And it will reflect my opinion on certain topics like education. I know you worked for Estee Lauder for a couple of years after getting a bachelor's and master's in Jewish history. After you did that, you went into the beauty industry with Estee Lauder and you worked there for a couple of years and you wish Shop Drop existed at that point or you would have known about it because you did feel the expectations on you to dress in designer clothing but clearly they weren't paying you enough money to buy designer brand clothing. So this was a natural graduation into that. However, you did take a break and continue your education. You went back to school. I remember, I don't know if I told you that, but I definitely disapproved of that because I felt like <laughs> taking out so much money in student loans uh, was not necessarily the smartest thing. What What is your... What is your opinion of MBAs? Okay, not I'm not saying that on all education. I'm saying specifically for business where education is not necessarily required to start a startup. What are your feelings now looking back at going to NYU and having the student debt, the experience it brought you? What are your reflections and feelings toward your education? Yeah, so looking back... I don't regret going back to school. I went to Stern for my MBA full-time between 2015 and 2017. I wouldn't, it's not like I would tell every single girl out there seeking advice, yes, 100% go to business school. I think these decisions are very personal. They depend on where you're at um, in your life, what kind of opportunities you have. I felt where I was prior to going to business school, I wanted to explore entrepreneurship. I looked at everyone in senior management in the company where I was working at Estee Lauder. Everyone had an MBA from a solid school. And I understood that my Jewish history bachelor's and master's just wasn't going to cut it. Um, So, yes, I was interested in learning about finance, accounting, business education, looking at business problems holistically, not just from the perspective of my position in the company. That being said, I didn't go to business school to learn those things. I went to business school to just advance myself and to get to the next level. I felt stuck, and I was like, okay, how do I get out of this part of my life and get into the next part? And for me, that served as a step. In in business school, I explored a lot of different opportunities. I ended up spending my summer interning in a startup accelerator in Mass Challenge. I worked on three startups. The first two were utter failures. The third one was Shop Drop. No need to keep talking there. Uh, and ultimately, I think, you know, when, when I was applying for jobs a year after I started with Shop Drop, that MBA from Stern is almost like a hechsher or... Um, permission to enter. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a permission to enter. And I, I, I almost, I, I do want to 
bring this up, even though it's not it's not going to make Yeshiva University or, or let's say the Jewish small school sound amazing. But when I was in college, no one ever asked me what career, actually one professor did, and I thought she was crazy. But the messaging wasn't at all, what are you going to do with your life? How are you going to make money? How are you going to support yourself? The guys uptown in YU, they were all majoring in finance because they all had to support a family. And the girls were all taking art history courses or Jewish history because that's what they were interested in. Why wasn't anyone saying, how are you going to make money? College is an investment you're paying. In life, every investment should be looked at as what's your return on the investment. If you invest $40,000 a year for undergrad, how are you going to make sure that that's returned to you over time so that essentially you're better off for going to college than not going to college? Does that make sense? You're saying it shouldn't be glorified a babysitting program. Exactly. Thank you very much. No, and I, I just felt like they were happy to take your money, happy to offer courses, but not happy to provide any essential direction in life to connect you in any significant way. Every, you know, every step um, that, that I made after that was, was through personal channels. And um, unfortunately, the school had very little to do with it. Now, moving on to Stern NYU, have they been helpful? Besides for giving you permission to enter the entrepreneur's world, have they helped you in any way to succeed? <laughs> Pass. Next. <laughs> Listen, I loved Stern. It was like a fun camp, honestly. Glorified babysitting once again? Basically. Like, if people come to me now and, and ask me, should they go to Stern? Did you get a full scholarship? Are you, are you, do you want to be a doctor? Like, if you want to be a doctor or a PA, it's probably a great option for you. If you want... A lawyer? Uh, no. No. Like, I, I don't... I don't know too many successful... Like, also a lawyer. Like, think about it. Look at the stats. Look at the stats with every issue. You want to be a lawyer? Look at the graduation list from Stern. If you're a girl, don't look at the entire YU because the boys don't matter. You have different professors, different classes. Really don't matter. And and look at the, the, the number of graduates who get into top law schools. And between me, you, and the lamppost, after 2008, if you go to an average law school, and yes, Cardozo is, is average or lower than average, you're not going to get a job that's going to pay you more than $80,000 a year. And it's going to be a $200,000, $250,000 investment. So think about it. Are you better off going to law school or not going to law school? If you're better off going to law school and you need to go to a good law school, go to a school, to an undergrad school that will get you there. Go to an undergrad school that will help you score 180 on your LSAT. Figure out what you need to get to that point and get to that point. Don't automatically assume that because all your friends went to Stern and your mother went to Stern and your grandmother went to Stern, that the right move for you is to go to Stern. So I, I have heard an idea that with inflation, education also became inflated. Bachelors do not matter anymore. So if you are going for a master's... Yeah, I have a lot of opinions on that. <laughs> maybe, maybe just get a low-level bachelors and try your hardest and save all your money up for a good master's program because nobody cares where you went for your bachelors yes and no i agree with that and you did touch upon points that i think are so necessary in terms of educating jewish youth in general any youth should be educated in this way but we particularly care about the jewish population because we have a more expensive lifestyle thinking about your career before you choose a school to go for it. I just want to make one more point okay. about about school. Like, if, if you ask me Stern NYU versus Stern NYU, where did I have more fun? 100% Stern NYU. I didn't love my MBA experience. It wasn't, it wasn't life-altering. It wasn't amazing. It got me to the next step. And I think 
I think we should stop glorifying um, things. I feel like a lot of times, you know, when you're interviewing, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about this product? And and I feel like it's so much more prevalent when women are interviewing. Like, I'm passionate about being successful. If it's through this vehicle, through another job, through this product, if it's through, you know, toilet paper, I'm going to get passionate about toilet paper and how many plies go in it and how many rolls we sell and what the distribution is because that's the path to my success. So I think we need to implement more of that kind of thinking in the world of Jewish Orthodox women. And I agree with you a lot. But I feel like as an artist, for me, it's a little more different. You don't like thinking about toilet paper? I think success is very important, but passion is more important for me. For example, I, from when I can even remember, I was starting up my own businesses with Ambit Energy and Shackley Products. And my mother, I don't even, remember I don't even know how she gave me money to invest in these businesses. I was probably underage at Where's that point. Where's my money? <laughs> The point being, can I just say to all the listeners, Frady is such a businesswoman. Francisca. Francisca, when we were when we were in first and second grade, we would come to our grandparents in the states for the summer, and and before we would come back to Moscow, Frady would go to Amazing Savings, and my mother it would be my mother's credit card, and she would buy hairspray for one ninety nine, pocketbooks, pocketbooks, these cheap lipsticks. And then she would come to Moscow and sell for double the price, pocket the entire thing. She was always making money. I am very proud of you. I believe in you. You've been doing it since you were a baby. Thank you. Of course, I've chose a path where it was it's more challenging to find a normal source of income from performing for Orthodox women. Give out pocketbooks at every <laughs> concert. Sell them. Yeah, let's sell shop, drop, brand, uh, pocketbooks. <laughs> anyway, coming back to that. And even now, since I've opened my recording studio and graduating from just performing, I've noticed people still coming back to me and saying, oh, maybe you can get into the essential oils business, or maybe you're interested in... Um, just last week, someone offered some business idea for me, and I said, oh, energy again. And I said, if I'll just be running after the success thing or starting the next business... I'll always come back. I'll always quit because I'll always have to come back to my music because that's where my passion is. My passion is. And that's why my biggest focus had to be focusing on how I can monetize my passion. But yes, but you could also agree that had you been the, the breadwinner of your family, you might have not had that luxury to be to be like, I'll, I'll follow my passion and then let's see what will come out. And thank you for telling all the listeners how I'm not the breadwinner of the family, even though my you husband... You a total breadwinner, but not the main... <laughs> the main breadwinner. Well, my husband and I are racing to whoever can be the the more the bigger breadwinner in the household. We're not just giving up or settling. It's snowing and outside. It's snowing outside. I just feel disappointed that we're, we rely on money so much. And as a Jewish community, we pretend like that's not of value at all. <laughs> and I just need to say that. I actually want to announce that we will be doing a podcast on money and on finances or Jewish economics and from economics. And, and the bottom line is it doesn't add up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there are, it doesn't add up, but there are tools to make it work. And, and my main goal is this. We are Jewish mothers or future mothers. How do we raise the next generation to be smart and to choose their education to choose their career paths in a smart way and not just live 
reactively and be proactive. So are there any other topics we'd like to cover on this episode? Yeah, I, I'd like to, this is something that has been cooking in my mind for a while. Um, and and I want to bring it up as well. I think it's very important for for everyone, but particularly for us, to embrace asking, asking for meetings, asking for introductions, asking for advice, and asking for money. Um, the culture surrounding us teaches us that a polite person, that a pleasant person doesn't ask for things, waits for things to come to them, right? Like if your aunt comes, do you ask her for a present? No, you wait for her to give you a present. Uh, you if, wait to be offered water. You wait to be offered a seat. You wait to be offered a job. Exactly. And, and it leaves you in a place that when it comes time to raise money for your business, to apply to jobs, to write your resumes, you're, you're modest in a ridiculous way. You're afraid to ask. You're afraid to present yourself because every time you, you sing your praises, which might be fully earned, you're, you're feeling scared or, or nervous that you're immodest and why are you boasting and you're not that amazing. And, and no one's that amazing. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> We're all you're just as amazing as everyone else, and and you should flaunt flaunt your your strengths and hide your weaknesses just like anyone else in the same position would do. It took me a very long time to step over the barrier of Am I asking for too much? Am I reaching out too often? Uh, you know, are they nervous? I'm going to sound weird. Like, forget about what they're going to think. You have your objective. You have to get to your goal. If they if you need person X to make an introduction. Follow up with person X until that introduction is made. If person X isn't making the introduction for whatever reason, find out what the reason is. Maybe you're talking to the wrong person. Maybe you're annoying them for some reason and you have to change something in the way you're talking. But don't take any of it personally. It's a, it's you and you have your goal. And you have to see yourself in terms of getting to that goal. And if people can help you along the way, they'll help you. And thank you. I feel like this episode is really helpful, like especially to artists. Uh, you. Please give us an example, Esty. I, I can't even think of one. Let me think of one. Do you have an example for me? I'm just thinking. Men don't feel bad asking for help, asking for introductions. Well, Why do. should we? Some men? Yeah. So a good example would be, uh, you know, searching for a job. So once I realized that, I'll, that I have to find a job, I started looking for postings, looking at companies that I'm interested in, and I started reaching out to CEOs. <laughs> Now, granted, some of them, like one of the companies I wanted to to work for had raised $300 million, had a few thousand employees, and I reached out directly to the CEO with a letter of how I could see myself improving the company. I never heard back from the CEO, but I did apply for, for that job like 20 times, and after writing that letter, I did get an interview and ended up having eight different interviews. That job didn't work out, unfortunately for them, but... <laughs> But I was very proud of of reaching out, you know, not saying like, oh, my God, what is he going to think? He probably doesn't have time to listen to this girl. And that was totally my attitude, you know, prior to business school. Reach out. You respect someone. You like what they're doing. You read an article about them. Reach out. Be like, I love that article. That was a great article. Make up a reason to meet them. Find a way to give them a compliment, to feature them, to write about them, to interview them on your podcast. These will all ingrain you in the memory of the person you're trying to use <laughs> or I was going to say you're trying to impress you're trying to build a connection with to leverage in the future and ultimately it's it's a give and take world if you give to other people if you help them with your connections 
the time will come, they'll help you with yours. And there will be people who won't, and you just write them out of your book. It's totally fine. There will always be the collateral damage. Um, so just yeah. an update. Today, SD, in addition to being founder, co-founder of ShopDrop, she is also working at Spotlight for Allergan, a job that she did get after speaking about all these stories where she did not get the job she was looking for. It was also a cold email, by the way, to the managing director. I looked at what you're building, believe in it, think I have great experience oh. to offer. And congratulations talk. to that. And the cold rut she was in that she needed business school for did land her a husband at the end of those two years. So very important goal. Very important goal. Huge. Worth, <laughs> worth all the money you spend on business school, let's just say. And I am so proud of my sister here. And she has been my entrepreneur, entrepreneur-like, what the word is, entrepreneurial coach. Entrepreneurial? Entrepreneurship? <laughs> she has been the entrepreneur in my ear. Entrepreneur. In my ear for the last few years, really helping me and guiding me. Because even though I do have my business mind when it comes to my music, somehow it just numbs up and does not work. So what would you say your five pieces of advice are for struggling artists or non-struggling artists based on your experience with working with women in the arts and entertainment world? We do want to wrap this into our podcast and you do have very close a very close relationship and visual on how it works. We'll be right back after the break. Hey ladies, so if you're enjoying this podcast, you might also enjoy listening to the podcast called Jewish Latin Princess, hosted by Yael Trush. The Jewish Latin Princess is a podcast for all Jewish women. Yael interviews uniquely talented Jewish women, sharing with us their lessons and how these women are utilizing their God-given talents to change the world for good. Head over there to catch an uplifting, fun, and enriching show and learn how much we all have in common and how much we can enrich each other's lives. Also, if you'd like to learn more about me, make sure to check out episode 39 on the Jewish Latin Princess. You can find Jewish Latin Princess wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And now we're back. Esty's five tips for us artists. Here are my five core principles. Two of them we already went through. So the first one is you will make mistakes. Mistakes will happen. The good thing is you can learn from them. So when a mistake happens, do everything you can to fix it. If there's nothing you can do, it's spilled milk, it's sunk costs, that's a business term, which means some money you'll just never recover. Sit down, write a spreadsheet, see what you learned from it, what you're never going to do again based on what you found now. If someone cheated you out of money, never tell yourself, I'm never going to enter a deal again without a contract, without knowing how to recover that money. I'm never going to pay 100% up front. I'm going to always ask for a deposit, whatever it is. The second thing is ask, ask, ask. Ask for introductions, ask for money, ask for advice, ask for everything you need. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to people, even if you haven't spoken to them. Chances are, if it was a mediocre relationship and you reach out and you're like, hi, how are you doing? I need help with whatever. Can you, can you offer me some advice? The person will be happy to hear from you. Obviously, be, be a mensch about it. 
write a thank you note after, when they reach out to you, which they really might, give them your time of day, help them as much as you can, etc. The third thing is research. Don't be an idiot. If you have an idea, a business idea, an idea for a song, an idea for a piece of art, Go online, see if anyone has done it before. If no one has done it before, why not? Have they tried it and it failed? Does that mean there's no there's no request for it? There's no demand for it in the market? Figure out if you do create it, what's the likelihood that you'll be able to sell it, that you'll be able to generate revenue on it. Take your steps wisely. Next step, it's going to sound a bit contradictory, is take a leap of faith. At some point, after all the research you could do is done, after you've tested, you're going to have to take a leap of faith and just throw something out into the market and test it. Whether it's a Facebook post, if you want to start a babysitting service where you put together babysitters and parents who need babysitters, you don't need a fancy app to start it. You can start with a Facebook post or WhatsApp thing. Hey, I'm trying this business where I'm putting together babysitters and mothers. If you're interested in a babysitter or interested in babysitting, text me here and start with an Excel spreadsheet on your own computer. Start seeing, is there a demand? Are people interested in your service? Are people going to pay $2, $3, $10 for your service? And then once you have a working model, you can say, okay, now I need a developer. Now I need to build this out. Now I need to take it to the next level. And the last point, the fifth one, because you asked for five, is support. I can't say this enough. My husband, my siblings, my aunt, my parents, my in-law, like there, there are people in your life who are going to be your rock and your bone davening, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're, they're there for you, you're there for them, and um, they, they really keep you going through the difficult times, and, and there, there are going to be difficult times. So let's review our five key points quickly, and um, shoot me a note if you, if you like this podcast. Um, so number one, mistakes will happen. Number two, ask for help. Number three, do your research. Number four, take a leap of faith. And number five, remember your pillars of support. Well, thinking and thanking our pillars of support, we'd like to thank ShopDrop and SD Goldschmidt again for supporting this podcast, for allowing it to happen. We do have to pay money to run this podcast, to store this in the cloud, to distribute it to every podcast app out there. It does require a ton of time. And we really appreciate your help, your support, your wisdom, and we wish you luck in all your endeavors and you should go and exit for $300 million or whatever you're looking for. Thank you so much for being on the show. You can follow ShopDrop app on Instagram. It's at ShopDropApp. Download it on the Android, on the App Store, on your next trip to New York. Make sure it's part of your shopping schedule. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to leave us a good review and subscribe. See you next time.